0: Hear now the word of the Lord. Abraham took another wife whose name was, was Keturah. She bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Jokshan fathered Sheba and Dedan. The sons of Dedan were Asram, Ledishim, and Lumumim. The sons of Midian were Epher, Hanak, Abida, and Elda. All these were the children of Keturah. Abraham gave all he had to Isaac. the field that Abraham purchased from the Hittites. There Abraham was buried with Sarah, his wife. After the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac, his son, and Isaac settled at Beer the Roy. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, it is life. And the words that you speak to us through it are spirit and life. And Father, I pray that you would, by your spirit, uh, cause us to understand. Change us, give us anointing, we ask. In the name of Christ, we ask it. Amen. Please be seated. I will say, um, this morning I wrote a note on the front of my booklet to go through and make sure I knew how to pronounce all those names. And I forgot. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to go with all those pronunciations. and We just won't know any better, will we? Uh, today we finish our series on the life of Abraham. I've loved this series. I hope you've enjoyed it and been grown by it. I'm a little sad we're coming to the end. Next week we have the Missions Conference, and beyond that we'll probably have a a topical sermon or two. And then we're going to head into Colossians, which is just an amazing book. Uh, Indeed, I encourage you to begin studying Colossians on your own, that perhaps by the time we get to Colossians, you'll have read through it a couple times, uh, so it won't be uh, new to you. Um, Today, though, uh, as we finish Abraham's life, this is more of a topical sermon. We usually follow what's called expository preaching here, where we find a text and we stick with it and we study what it says, more or less verse by verse. This time, however, I'm going to use it to summarize Abraham's life, but especially to use it as a springboard as we look at how Abraham finished his race well to look at what the Bible says about running our race well, and especially seeking to finish the race well. Um, and so, uh, so it's more of a topical sermon this morning. So if you're visiting with us, just, just know uh, that this is a little different. You know, finishing well is an important principle in a lot of areas. might call it follow-through. Um, you think about in a golf swing. If We have golfers here. Uh, if you don't follow through, if you don't finish your swing well... The ball will not go where it's supposed to. Uh, when, you, when you're shooting doves, when you're shooting skeet, you know, you can't stop the gun when you pull the trigger. Uh, you will miss that bird every time. You have to swing through the bird. You have to finish your swing of your barrel well. Or perhaps in a, um, a baseball game. Um, we lost Friday, didn't we? Did we lose Friday? Friday. The baseball game? I'm sorry. Uh, we'll consider a different uh, team. Uh, how about football? Uh, in, in a football game, uh, if, you don't, if, you, if you do well in the first half and then just quit, if you don't finish well, your, your team's going to beat you. It doesn't matter how well you've done at the beginning. The Christian life is often referred to as a race. We so think about a race starting well, continuing well, finishing well. We've, we've already spoken of Hebrews 12.1 with the kids Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You know, in Abraham we have uh, an illustration, an example of someone who did finish well. He didn't finish perfectly. He didn't run perfectly, but he finished well. See, he was 175 years old. When he died, when he got to the finish line, he finished strongly. He was strong at the finish line. A hundred years of his life was spent in the promised land. A hundred years as a believer in God, as a Christian. You know, we aren't told how long our race will be. We're not. God alone knows the number of our days. But still, the call is the same. Whether we perceive we're at the beginning of our race... Or we perceive we're at the end of our race. We're called to run the race well. How are you running these days? How are you running? Our text picks up in 15.1, where we learn that Abraham took another wife. Now, verse 6 also calls her a concubine. So we're not entirely sure when he took Ketra to be his wife. It's likely he did not marry her until after Sarah was born. But some of those details we don't know. Um, he had six other sons with her. Uh, now, these sons were a lot like Ishmael. Uh, they were different from Isaac. Isaac was the child of promise. He was the one that God had promised to bless, and through the line, the line of the Messiah would ultimately come. Um, and we know that uh, Abraham was generous to these other sons, he gave many gifts to those six sons and apparently to, to Ishmael as well. But verse 5 tells us something specific. It says, Abraham gave all he had to Isaac. So apart from those gifts, he gave all he had to Isaac. Now, now here, we, we shouldn't miss this. Here we have proof that Abraham finished his race well with a deep abiding trust in God and his promises. Why, why do we know that? If you've ever gone uh, offshore fishing, uh, how many lines do they put out behind the boat? It's not just one, right? You don't pay hundreds of dollars you know, per fish uh, so you can put out one line. You put as many as you can behind your boat, as many as you can without them getting tangled. Why is that? So you have a better chance of catching something. Well, what did Abraham do? Now, in this day and age, I mean, mortality was up in the air. Would he live? Would he die? You know, Isaac is is older by the time that Abraham dies. But what does he do? He puts all his eggs in one basket, he puts one fishing line out, and his name is Isaac. See, he gives all he has to the one that God has promised will bless him. Abraham has faith, trusts that God's promises will prevail even when Abraham isn't around. We learn in verse 7 that Abraham died at the age of 175 years old. This means that uh, I don't want to live 175 years old. Just, just let you know, I don't want to live that long. Uh, but this means that he had spent 100 years in the promised land, a full century, and still the only land that he owned was the place where he was going to be buried, the cave of Machpelah uh, and, and, the, and the field next to it. I love the wording of verse 8, which is, by the way, a direct quotation from God's promise to Abraham in Genesis 15, 15. He said, you're going to live this long, and now we have a fulfillment of it many years later. Abraham breathed his last and died a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. This would be a good thing to put on your tombstone, wouldn't it? To be able to put this on the tombstone. That you live a good old age an old man and full of years. That that term full of years seems different from just saying he was old. They were full years of the blessing of God upon his life. Wouldn't that be a great thing to be able to put on your tombstone? Notice that he was gathered to his people. It's just an Old Testament way of saying he died. Now, in verse 9, we learn that the estranged Isaac and Ishmael buried the hatchet Remember, they, they didn't like each other, they were strange, and their descendants would be too. They, they buried the hatchet, and this time not in each other's backs, so they could come together and bury their father in the place that he wanted to, the place where Sarah was born uh, was buried, at the cave of Machpelah. Now here's the thing, Abraham died, and yet he's still alive. Abraham died, and yet he's still alive. I'm not talking about in their hearts and memories, that's not what I'm talking about. See, Jesus tells us in John chapter 11 that all who believe in him, yet they die, yet shall they live. See, Abraham was saved by Christ's death, even though, death, burial, and resurrection, rather, even though it hadn't happened yet. It was in the future. There's a, a Christian uh, rapper um, whose name is uh, Shaolin, and what did, what did he say? He, he was saved on credit. He was saved on credit, we're saved on debit. That uh, those who came before Christ were saved on credit of what was to happen, and we're saved on debit of what has happened. I like that phrase. Um, you know that Though he died, according to John 11, yet shall he live. And so his body went into the ground, but where did Abraham go? He went to heaven. Why is this? Because when a person is saved by grace through faith in Christ, he receives at that moment eternal life. You know what eternal means? (laughs) Uh, Forever. That's right. That's right. It just means forever. And ever. And ever. And ever. And cannot be touched. And cannot be changed. There's nothing that can touch eternal life. If death could defeat eternal life, then it wouldn't be called eternal life. It would just be called life. But when we become a believer, we receive at that moment eternal spiritual life. This is why when the Sadducees came to try to defeat Jesus in Matthew 22, he says this, and as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. Right then and there, Jesus says that Abraham is alive. He's not waiting for the resurrection of Christ, for him to go get him and take him to heaven. That is a view, and it's not my view, nor is it the view of the Bible. He is alive in heaven. Death cannot touch him. He went through death. His eternal life was not touched. He went to be with God. Now his body, I guess, is still in the cave of Machpelah. Actually, the, the Muslims have a, a mosque there, and they say it's still there. When we think about the Christian life, we first must realize that we received life that begins at conversion and lasts forever. We have this thing now, this spiritual life, that will go through different seasons unaffected. We have it now. In this life, we die, what happens to our eternal life? It continues. And if we die before Christ comes again, we'll go, our souls will go to be with God in heaven. Our bodies will be in the ground. And there's another season we're waiting for. That eternal life is still ongoing. It cannot be changed. It cannot be affected. But when Christ comes again, our bodies will be raised up out of the ground, perfected, glorified, and reunited with our souls, and we will live forever on a new heavens, in a new heavens and on this new earth. But we receive eternal life, the eternal life we will enjoy forever. If you're a believer in Christ, you have it now, and it will never stop. So how do you get this eternal life? Well, I'm glad you asked. John 6, 40. For this is the will of my Father who sent me, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. So if we, if we receive eternal life, it means that we didn't have it before, and we call the opposite of life death. Spiritually dead. Are you spiritually dead? If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can have eternal life today that will last forever and ever, and it will not be touched by your death. This then changes how we view the Christian life. And it enables us to finish our Christian race well. Why? Because knowing that our current physical life is not the only one we have to live. If you ever go to a... So um, we went to a conference uh, in September. Trinity Church Montgomery paid for it. For uh, Christian me to go to it was a, a worship conference. Amazing. We'll, we're hoping they'll pay for it. We're hoping they'll pay. F- we're hoping they'll pay for it uh, this September too. So if anybody from Trinity is asking or listening, uh, and they they treated us to a supper at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. hmm Big church, big money. And you know when I went, and you're looking at this gorgeous menu. And it's the, only, it's the only time I'm going to eat at Roos Chris for a long time. And I want to get it right. And I want to get the best thing on it. I don't want to miss out. Because what if, what if Christy gets something and I look over and say, Oh, man, I should have ordered that. But what if I know that I'm going to Rooster Chris tomorrow night? It's, the pressure is not quite as high, is it? Because this is not the only time I'm going. This is not the only life we have to live. Now, it is, kind of, right? It's the only time we get to tell people about the Lord before, uh, you know, um, it's appointed every man to die once and then comes judgment. So, it's, so call on the name of Christ now because it's going to be too late when you die. It, this is the only life we have to live to, to bring people to Christ, to share the love of Christ, to love on folks. Th- those things are true. But in terms of wringing out as much of life as possible, that's not a Christian way of thinking because what's to come is better. It's kind of like getting steak out one night. Do they still have steak out? I think they do. Which is, you know, rubber steak. And then, but knowing the next night is Ruth's Chris. You might enjoy some steak out. Say, so that's pretty tasty. Put enough ketchup on it. It tastes great. But tomorrow night is Ruth's Chris. That's how this life is compared to the next. Which means that we can leave it all on the field as we labor for Christ... While not having to have every experience that everybody has, and feel like we're messing it we're missing out, because eternal life belongs to God, and He has shared it with us. Martin Lloyd joins Martin Lloyd Jones points out in a great sermon on Romans eight that we should not just think about eternal life as something that lasts forever. That's called duration, but also quality of life. This was really helpful. You think about the person who's an unbeliever, uh, who is currently under God's wrath and curse. He's under the power of sin and death. He has no ability to do anything about that. He or she has no fellowship with God. He or she is not a child of the Father. Christ is not his brother. He has no power from the Holy Spirit. He remains under the law. If he were to die, he would go to hell. I don't know how people live. It's hard enough living in the Christian life, isn't it? But uh, imagine trying to live in this world under those conditions but it, when a person is united to Christ, not only do we have an eternal life that lasts forever, we also have a new quality of life. In fact, we receive life. We, did, we thought we had life before, but we, then we actually receive life when Christ saves us. We go from being dead to a life. And so as we live the Christian life, let us not forget the life part of Christian life that we are now new creations, new creatures united to Christ. The old has passed away, behold the new has come. The spirit now lives within us and helps us, causes us to be enabled to obey his commands and run that road that we talked about with the kids that is often crooked and often goes this way and that. And then he helps us when we get off the road too. You know, what, this has huge implications of how we run our race. Because now we can be bold for the Lord. It's almost like, it's not quite, but it's almost like if you played golf with an infinite amount of mulligans. Now, what I don't mean is an excuse to sin. That's not what I'm talking about. Don't go that direction. My dad and I used to play golf together when I was growing up. And uh, uh, we would, if we hit a bad shot, we would just drop a ball and hit another one. Now, we didn't turn in our scores, right? That would be called cheating. Uh, but we were out there to get better. So we'd drop a ball and do it again. And you know, what? if that was a bad shot, you know what we'd do? We'd drop a third. <laughs> the people behind us loved it. Uh, now, now, here's the thing. Because of that, we could be bold and go for the green every time. And so when uh, our life is not on the line, and our fullness of life is not on the line based on whether we have this experience or that one, but because we already have it, we can be bold for the Lord and shoot for the greens every time. Now this gift of eternal life, uh, it's forever. And it's not just forever in heaven, it's also forever on earth. Which means that we have what's called persevering grace. That those who truly know the Lord will reach the finish line, still believing in Jesus and still following Him. I'm not saying their life is perfect. I'm not saying there aren't seasons of running. But perseverance is a gift. Because we have eternal life, there's nothing that can snatch it away from us now. Jesus tells us in Philippians 1.6 that he who began a good work in, it, in us will see it to completion at the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not going to let you go. He's going to help you as you run the race that is set before you. Do you have a particularly difficult season in front of you? We have those sometimes. And you should know that because you're united to Christ and you have this gift of eternal life, God is going to cause you to run this race well is as you depend on him. You have everything you need because you have him. Now you don't have grace for tomorrow yet. You know why? Because <laughs> tomorrow hadn't come yet. But tomorrow you'll get it. And the day after that. Second Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Alright, so as we think through running the race well, how are you doing How are you positioned? How are you situated to finish your race well? Where would you like to be spiritually in five to ten years? I want to be more mature than I am now. Don't you? I want to grow in godliness. I want to be more sensitive to my sin. I want to know more of God's Word. I want to have a deeper prayer life. I want to run the race well. So. Running the race well means not just waiting for the future. Because so oftentimes we set aside, we look, okay, when the kids are out of the house, or when I retire, or when I get this bill paid off, you know, or after this doctor's appointment, or after I wash my hair next Tuesday, then, then I'm going to get serious about running this race well. And, uh, and guess what? First of all, we're not promised tomorrow. Second, if we keep putting it off, we, we won't ever do it. What about your children? Do you want your children to walk with the Lord? Then what does that look like? How are you going to set them up for success spiritually? Do you want to you be able to, to lead your wife well? Do you want to leave a legacy of, for your children or your grandchildren like Abraham did of one deep, deep abiding faith? So we think about running the race well. May the Lord help us start today. So as we run this race... We talked about with the students about doing it according to God's rules. Second 2 Timothy 2:5: 2, "An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules." Uh, one of my favorite verses, uh, Colossians 1:10 I can't wait to preach on this one uh, --So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God." You know, seeking, as we run this race well. It's his race, and he's called us to run it according to his rules, and it's going to go better, the better the more we do that. Fully pleasing to him. is God fully pleased with my life? Now he loves me, he, I'm fully accepted by him. His love is perfect. I don't mean any of those things, right? Those things are true. But as am I desiring to please my father? Or am I desiring to please my own needs? You know um, through Abraham's life, we've seen him do this well and not do it well, right? If anything else, if you you learn anything from our series from Abraham, don't tell Pharaoh that your wife is your sister. Don't tell Abimelech that your wife is your sister, right? Or, Or don't go produce an heir with a woman named Hagar, right? Those are all good takeaways. The Christian life is one of tension between the flesh and the spirit the question is do we aim to please the lord i I am wrapped up in self everything self-love self-centeredness your life is about me whether you know it or not in reality we've been created for the glory of god and as we run the race well it means focusing more on god's desires and less on our own He's given us this eternal life, and He's given it to us for a purpose, not just for our good. Yes, it is for our good, but ultimately it is for a far greater thing, and that is His glory. Well, um, the thing about a race... So I think John Luke said he had um, uh, run a, a 5K or two. How many? Three 5Ks. Wow. That's impressive. Um, the thing about a 5K is you know where the end is. You know where the finish line is. That's not how it works with a Christian life. When Christy was finishing up uh, being a nurse, she had to take something called the praxis exam. Isn't that what it was called, babe? NCLEX. NCLEX. There it is. NCLEX. And if this isn't true, then don't correct me. Uh, <laughs> <the> in- <laughs> it's, it's a great illustration. The, uh, the NCLEX exam, or some exam she took, it was a different length of time for every person. Is that correct? Great. Yeah, that's right. And so you don't know what that's going to be. The computer would just shut off. You would go for a while and it'd shut off, and it would shut off at different times for different people. You didn't know when the test was going to be done. That's how it is with the Christian life, isn't it? See, the thing about finishing well is we have to run well because we don't know when the race is going to be finished. Think about Paul's experience. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. For which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and go be with Christ, for that is far better. Actually, the Greek says far more better. It's bad, bad grammar in English, but it really gets to his longing for it. I want that kind of view of my Christian life, don't you? That, oh, I want to go be with Jesus. But until I do, Lord, help me to work hard for your kingdom, for your glory. All right, let's talk about different seasons of life, though. Because as we run this race, there are different seasons of life. We certainly saw that in Abe's life. Think about this. He was in the Promised Land for 100 years. He had a, 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 an infant in his home when he was 100, right? Can't imagine. Um, you know, he, he had uh, different seasons of life. His wife died. He got remarried. Right? Certainly towards the end of his life, you, you know that he had turned all of his property over to Isaac, his son. It would, in that culture, you turned over your things before you died. There are different seasons of life. There are different seasons of your life and mine due to health reasons, due to children in the home, taking care of older parents, taking care of spouses. There are different seasons of life, and that's okay. But it's the same call to love God and to love neighbor in whatever season we're in. Now, if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and beyond, you know, uh, you can go and crawl around the floor in the nursery. Please do that. We need volunteers. If you're 85, it's a different season. But you might actually be able to do more because you can pour into the young couples and tell them about the things you've learned and how God met your every need along the way and your love for the Lord. You know, you may not be able to come help cut down this uh, mess right outside this wall uh, when we have our deacon's um, work day on March the 4th. But I bet you can have a couple into your home and over a cup of coffee. Encourage them and hear their stories, hear their concerns. Help them think about how to raise their children. Tell them your failures. and Tell them how the Lord has been with you every day. I love what A.W. Pink says in his commentary on Genesis Tommy Quick bought this for me this week. He talks about the saints we have in Scripture and what do we find them doing at the end of their lives. They die with their harnesses on at the plow or in the battle. Mistakes and more mistakes they made along the way or in their calls or at their work, but they are never laid aside. Moses, where is he when he dies? He is counseling the camp near the banks of the Jordan, looking over into the promised land. David is ordering the conditions of the kingdom to put it into the hands of his son Solomon. Paul had his armor on, his loins girded. When, as I may say, the time of their departure was at hand, the master found them so doing as servants should be found. If Christ came today, would he find us so doing as the master should find his servants doing? Let me close with this. Let me tell you a story about one of the saints from our church. Uh, There are many stories of many different saints that we've lost over the years. But I always think of Lee Otts. Towards the end of his life, um, as I would go and visit, he would say, I don't know why God is keeping me here. I keep praying that he'll let me die. And he was fervent in prayer. Um, Life was hard for Lee towards the end of his life. And after telling him time and time again, I don't know Mr. Otz. I finally said, you know, maybe it's because he has someone for you to pray for. So I gave him the name of Justin Marshall. Do you know Justin? Many of you do. He was in a Bible study I was teaching at the time. He thought he was a Christian. It was clear he wasn't. And I was praying for his salvation. I said, you know, Mr. Otz, why don't you pray for Justin Marshall that he'll become a Christian? On October seventh, two 2014, Justin Marshall called on the name of the Lord. And nine months later, Mr. Otts went to go be with Jesus. 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Let's pray. Father, help us to finish well. Help us to run the the race the way that you would have us. That when you come, you may find us as the master should find his servants. In the name of Jesus, amen. We'll conclude our service.